Fear is expecting the devil to move. Faith is expecting God to move. Your high priest is madly in love with you, and when you go to Jesus and you say, Jesus, I'm tempted, and I'm feeling fearful, Jesus says this. I experienced that. I know exactly what you're feeling. Let me help you overcome it. So the rule of thumb is take your weak spots to Christ before the devil uses them against you. Acknowledge this is a struggle that I have. This is a challenge that I have. Lord, I give it to you so that when the devil tries to take it or take advantage of it, you've already given it to Christ. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. Satan has one plan for your life and mine. He wants to destroy our influence for God. We ought to pray against him every day that Satan would have no place in our lives. The Bible gives you two tools. Number one, pray. Pray. When the devil knocks at your door, turn to Jesus and say, would you please answer that? You don't need to go into some odd hocus-pocus exorcism closet and do some type of mystical stuff. All you got to do is turn to God. Glance at the devil. He is around. But gaze at Christ. Pray. And number two, arm yourself with God's word. Load your pistol with scriptures and keep a finger on the trigger. Jesus reacted and responded to temptation by quoting scripture Jesus responded to temptation from the devil by doing what you can do and that is he quoted scripture take that devil it is written it is written it is written in his book God's book is enough Jesus overcame temptation not with special voices or supernatural signs, but by remembering and quoting Scripture. That's it. God's Word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray long and hard. Pray for your brothers and sisters. So what are the two tools? God's Word and prayer. And this conviction. That God's spirit who is in you is greater than the devil who is in the world. Good morning. You guys don't know how much I look forward to Sundays. Because Sunday is like, I don't know, maybe I flash back to high school. Like when you got ready for a basketball game, you know, and you practiced all week. And then to be in a big crowd and just, but this is so much bigger than a basketball game. But just to worship with you, like we did this morning, to hear every voice pouring in. But then the excitement of all week preparing that we get to share God's word together. together, And we get to examine things, we get to explore things. But the, the one thing when we always go to the Bible, the one thing we're always aiming for is change in us. Like every Sunday we're expecting change in us. That's what this is all about. So I'm excited about the change that we're going to talk to you about today. So first off, I want to welcome everybody. Welcome everybody who's online. We appreciate everybody that's joining in with us today. But uh, to our guests, if you're new to us today, my name is Brian. I'm our lead pastor. To our guests, uh, Emma, our worship leader, talked a little bit about this worship guide. But on the back are these notes. As we go into God's Word, the Bible, together, we have an outline of what we're going to talk about today. 
So we'd love that if you fill that out and kind of follow along with us. That helps us through the week go back and look at this. Uh, for those of us who are online, this is pinned there on Facebook Live, and it's also on our website, so you can follow along. But also, what's kind of important is, is we're in this uh, fourth week about spiritual warfare. And every week we ask you that there's no way we can cover everything about spiritual warfare in five weeks. So what we ask you is after something we covered today that's connected to this that you still want answered, write that question down on this connect card and just ask that question. You've been doing it every week. Drop it off in the box. For those online, you can do the same thing. If there's something we did not answer, send us this question because on Wednesday, we go to podcasts and podcasts, we answer these questions. And we've had great, three already really good podcasts that you can go out and listen to at any time on Spotify or on iTunes. Um, but please go out there and listen. We just keep just adding more information but asking for more heart changes we go all, all the way through this so we're in a series called this means war and let me recap really quick where we've been because I think it's kind of important if you missed one we're talking about spiritual warfare the devil is real spiritual warfare is real the Bible is really clear about this so week one we talked about because spiritual warfare kind of tends to freak us out so we started out with week one saying Jesus already won the war it's over but the enemy is still loose and he's still working on you and I to do as much destruction he can before his final day. But we said it's over. Jesus has won. And for Christians, that means the war is already won for us. And we had this great note that said, we don't fight for victory, we fight from victory. And that's a big difference. Week two, Pastor Eric stood up and said, this is Satan. He's a covert operator. And so he kind of disclosed who he is and shared what the Bible said about him so we can recognize our enemy. Week three, Pastor Wayne stood up here and said, now that you know Jesus is one, and now you know who the enemy is, let me tell you about the battlefield. And the battlefield is our hearts and minds. Spiritual warfare can have a physical component, but the battlefield is here. And, and Pastor Wayne shared with our kids up here and showed spiritual battle. And he shared the story of Elisha and his servant where Elisha asked God to reveal to him all the angelic um, host that had surrounded their enemies which had surrounded them. And, 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 and God did that. He revealed to his servant, he saw chariots of fire all around which showed the spiritual battle is on, but God's army is huge. Amen? And so we're gonna keep on that. We're gonna, the whole series is about, it's real, it's right here, and if you don't think it is, then the devil's already won because that's his best strategy is, is to make him think that I don't think he's real. And so we've been talking about don't be afraid every week. Don't be afraid of this stuff. Don't be afraid because of who's in us. Let's fight well. Let's fight well. This means war. This is, this is us getting out and battling well. And so we've been doing that. We've been prayer walking. We've had a, 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 a prayer guide, and we've been out prayer walking this last week. And, and the other thing that we did is on um, Halloween, on the darkest day of the year, we opened up this church in our parking lot. We had hundreds of kids and their families come right through here. We gave away all these children's Bibles and Bibles, but we had an alternate to the darkness. We shined light that night to hundreds. And so that was just, and thank you all. Can we give a big round of applause for all here who helped us do that? So we're not just talking about fighting, we're fighting. Can you feel it? But are you really ready to fight? Because today we're really gonna go after the fight. You ready? Okay, we gotta be a little bit more like, I know it's, you got an extra hour of sleep. Come on, are we ready to really fight today? Yeah. Okay, okay. 
So let me give you a quote. How do we fight? So we're really going to gear up and fight today. We're really going to fight. This isn't just a bunch of head knowledge. Here's a quote from R.A. Torrey, who's a pastor and a writer, a Christian writer, and he says, when the devil sees a man or woman who really believes in prayer, who knows how to pray, and who really does pray, and above all, when he sees a whole church on his face before God in prayer, he trembles as much as he ever did for he knows that his day in that church or community is at an end. And that's what we're gonna do today. That's how we're gonna fight today. And so we, when we talk about every day is a spiritual battle, every moment of our lives is a spiritual battle. The spiritual forces are so much closer than we, than, it's an invisible war, but it really impacts us every day. So this, R.A. Torrey is saying, a church that prays, so how do we pray to fight? How do we pray to fight? To really bring the fight today, this means war. How do we pray to fight? I don't want you to read this with me, but I want to share with you, I want you to actually pray it with me. But Jesus' disciples came to him and said, how do we pray to fight? And Jesus gave them the Lord's Prayer. We just sang it. But this is a daily battle fight song. And so I want to go to Matthew chapter six, and I want you to... I want you to pray it with me, okay, out loud. Let's do this together. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue, deliver us from the evil one. I want to go back just to those last two verses. Let's put them up there on verses 13. The last two verses, they kind of have pairs all the way through what we call the Lord's Prayer. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us. Rescue us from the evil one. You might remember learning this and saying, Father, don't lead us into temptation. What we want to do, it's probably not the best translation. God does not lead us into temptation. So this is a little bit better version of that. And that's not what it meant to say, but it, it, don't let us yield to temptation is the heart of that scripture. So don't let us, it, what that means is say don't, we, that means that spiritual warfare is going on every day. Jesus is saying, pray this every day. Let's start with, or let's end with this powerful point. Don't give in to temptation. Pray for that. Pray to the one who can give us power so we don't yield. That's what we're doing in this prayer. But then let's take a look at sermon note, the first sermon note together. Jesus said, pray for deliverance from evil. Jesus said, pray daily that we're rescued, rescued from evil. Every time Jesus said when you pray, pray that we're delivered from evil which means we will encounter temptation all the time. We will at times give in to the evil one. We'll listen to that lie and we'll head down that road and ultimately we will need rescued. Deliver us, Jesus, because we're not too good at delivering ourselves. So you hear that word deliverance in a church and it, for most people, what does it bring to mind? It probably freaks you out. Deliverance 
probably what you're thinking is that really weird spiritual uber thing where, you know, things fly out like Ghostbusters and that's not what it is. While it can be dramatic, most of the time it actually isn't. When we hear deliverance, we might think of a movie we watched that scared us. We might think of maybe some holy roller show, you know, where they're whapping people on the heads and they're falling down and spirits were relieved. The Exorcist was the number one horror movie. It's like, it's always in the top five of all the scary movies. And, and what deliverance really makes us freak out about is can I be possessed? That's what was happening in that movie. Can I be possessed by the devil? That one scares everybody. Possession means can the devil completely take me over? Action, soul, mind, full dominance, control my life. That's what possession is. And so when we go to deliverance and we think of possession, it's scary. Can my head spin around? Can I spit out green pea soup? That's a check to see how many of you actually watch The Exorcist. <laughs> Can I as a Christian be possessed? My answer to that is listen to our podcast this week because I can't get into everything today, but Pastor Deb and I will tackle, can a Christian be possessed? The quick answer is no. Why? Come listen to us on Wednesday and we'll explain that. But the better terms for us in Christianity is not, is not possession, it is oppression and influence. The devil definitely can oppress us and he can influence us and he's good at it. And so I want to help us kind of understand if as Christians I need deliverance from oppression and, and I need deliverance from influence that's what we're asking for as Christians every day and, and to kind of describe that let me, let me show you something here I think that will help I think I did this analogy somewhat or this kind of picture look a long time ago but I want to kind of do it again so let's pretend this dollhouse here this, this is my spiritual house this is, this is me let me kind of move this out of the way a little bit Let's pretend this represents my whole heart, soul, and mind, right? The great commandment tells us, love God with your whole heart, soul, and mind. So our whole heart, soul, and mind has all these rooms in it, just like a house. And so for us, the day that we first believe in Jesus, uh, we, uh, there we go, we invited him in. Let's do this, there we go. The first day that I believed in Jesus, Jesus was kind of on my front porch, maybe in my yard, but I invited him into my heart and my soul. I allowed him into my life and I chose to follow him and it turned this light on in my house. Here, let's take a look. I know it's kind of hard to see. Can you see that light? I, light? I brought him into the living room of my house. Everybody got that? And what happens is when you have light that comes into a room like this is light is good and it starts to spread through my house. As I grow and I'm discipled as a Christian, more light appears in all the rooms in my house as I realize the darkness. I realize, oh my gosh, you know, it's like I shouldn't be behaving that way. As I come to know Christ and obey his commands and listen, I, I realize there's these dark rooms in my house. And so what happens is, is as I grow as a, as a disciple of Christ, more lights come on. More lights here. All these rooms start lighting up. My attic lights up. Can you see that? And that's what Christianity is. It's a journey. Whole heart, soul, mind. I'm letting them in, I'm letting them in, I'm letting them in. 
And I'm realizing letting him be the pilot and control my life is a good thing because I know what I do when I'm in control. I want to share with you James chapter 1, verses, uh, let's see, 12 through 14. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong and he never tempts anyone else. This one's important. Temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. So I bring that up for this reason is that in my house, as I grow as a Christian, I got all these lights coming on and the spirit and the light of Christ is filling all these rooms and my whole body and soul and mind is growing but I also have these dark rooms like this one. This dark room, that's the room I don't let him in. This is a room that I want to control. This is a room that I desire more than what God desires for me. This room is where, where I am being disobedient to God. And I'll tell you what, this room, the enemy will tell me all the time, it's like, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal in the grand scheme of things. That room represents my own desires. And those desires entice and drag me away, not only from God, they, they drag me away from each other. They drag us away from the relationships and people we love. It drags us away on a vertical and on a horizontal. You know what this dark room represents? This dark room represents the times that I give in to temptation. The times that it's okay, I, I can have just this little thing. And this room re represents a number of things. It represents addiction. Like it could be alcohol, prescription drugs. This room might have a, a computer that I go to all the time. It's just that one thing. This room represents out of control emotions, anger, hurt, frustration, jealousy, envy. This room represents mental health, like depression and anxiety. Now I believe there's a lot of modes for depression and anxiety, but I believe no matter if it's chemical or not, it's always spiritual because of how it impacts our spiritual life. It's always spiritual. Doesn't necessarily mean it's a root, but it, this room could be all the fear in the world that I have. This room could be distorted sexuality, it can be work, that is what I worship, sports that I worship, anything I desire more than God. And light doesn't come in here because I close the door, and I keep it closed. It's pretty easy for me to imagine here that every one of us in this room and every one of us online has at least one room. You know, in our Christian maturity as we grow, we might overcome this room, but then Satan never stops. He never stops in our life, and he gets us to darken another room. 
But I can guess with almost 100% of surety, no, with 100% of surety, we all have a dark room that we're holding control of, that we desire more than what God desires for us. And ladies and gentlemen, I have a dark room. I battle them. And the problem with one dark room, even for the Christian, is it can spread and that darkness can move to other rooms. And he really begins to oppress and really begins to influence me in so many ways. I want you to think for a second with me. I'm gonna give you a second. What's that in your room? It doesn't take long to think of it, does it? Let's look at our second sermon note together. The main reason for demonic influence in a Christian's life, we open the door. The main reason for this is because I opened the door. There are many ways and many strategies of the devil. If you go way back to Genesis, when, when sin first came into Adam and Eve's life, you see the curse of sin then. What evil does is it floods into the world. It affected our relationship with God. It, reflected, it, it damaged the relationship between Adam and Eve. And it also, it also damaged the relationship between humanity and nature. So everything, storms, cancer, all that has at its source is evil. Why can I say that? Because when I look at the picture of heaven in Revelation 21, there is no more pain or suffering. There is no more cancer. There is no more storms. There is no more... So evil works in all those strategies. But I want to talk about the one that really impacts us the most. And 80 to 90% of our spiritual warfare issues are because we open the door. Because we open the door. And we let him in. Once we choose our desires over God's, we open the door to our enemy. Our enemy comes in welcomed. He comes in welcomed. And he attaches to that desire or choice. And he attaches so hard, guys, that he doesn't let go. And it's really hard for us to get him back out. Now we know why Jesus said, daily, deliver us from evil. The problem is most of the time these dark rooms stay dark for a long time because we think we have the strength to run him off and we don't. Not on our own. So that's why we're talking to Christians today about deliverance. Jesus, deliver us from the evil one. Rescue us. So let's look at your next sermon note. Deliverance requires. So Jesus said, pray every day for deliverance. So what does that require? That means you need, we have to take these steps to get light into this room. So let's look at the first one together. Deliverance requires that we accept Jesus as our rescuer and authority. It starts with, for four weeks we've been talking about Jesus because of his death on the cross, his resurrection 
and his power now that God has given him all power and authority, even over evil. When you, I don't want to rush to next week, but we're going to talk about how simply Jesus takes out evil in the end. But in the meantime, he has all power and authority. But we won't know that if we never let him into our life. So ensure that we accept Jesus. For those of you who don't know Jesus as your Savior, I'd love you to fill out that connect card on your thing and say, would you help me take that journey? And we will, because we all went through that journey. But first accept him as a Savior because he has all power and authority, which means then I have in me through the power of the Holy Spirit that same power and authority. Second, well, hold it. Let me jump to Colossians uh, 1.13 here that kind of drives this point. For he has rescued God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Rescue. So what we have to do is we have to allow him in our lives. Second, we have to confess this dark room. Now that's kind of an old school word that freaks us out a little bit. What does confess mean? Confess means that I acknowledge to God I, I know how damaging this is to me. I know how damaging it is to my relationship with you and I know how much it's destroying my life. That's confession. We confess and we acknowledge that my desire and my disobedience is wreaking havoc in my life. Confession is good to God, it's number one, but let me tell you the power of confession to my brothers and sisters who have the very same Holy Spirit dwelling in them. You know, one thing I learned in my early years in the Catholic Church was confessing my sin to the priest is confessing to my brother. It's hard to stand in front of another human and say this is what I did. It's freeing when you walk out the door. And many Protestants miss that, that we do have uh, forgiveness from confession directly to God, but accountability comes really strong from my brothers and sisters around me that I don't go back there. Confess this room. How hard is that? It's as simple as this. God, this room is destroying my life. And it's destroying my relationship with you. And it's destroying my relationship at work, at home. That's confession. And I don't want it anymore. Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen. It says, Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Confession is literally opening the door to this dark room and letting the light flood in, letting Christ and the light flood in. And when I turn to Jesus, when I throw open that door and say, come into this room, and I face him and turn to him as my rescuer, that's repentance. Turning away from what I hate, turning to the one who rescues me, and then let him flood this room with light. So confession throws open the door. There's a second word there in Proverbs 28, not only confesses but renounces. Let's look at the next note. Not only do we accept Jesus, not only do we confess our rooms, but that third note is renounce the enemy by closing the door. So once I throw open that door in confession and Jesus comes in, I ask for forgiveness. We know how readily he forgives us when we repent, we turn towards him, then we renounce it. We tell the other one to get out. I'm done with you, Satan. I'm done with your garbage. I'm done with the lie. 
and renouncing says I'm no longer going to do that and throw him out of the room and close the door so light stays in Second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 2 rather we have renounced secret and shameful ways we do not use deception nor do we distort the word of God on the contrary by setting forth the truth plainly we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience and sight of God by believing in Jesus following him and by believing the truth of the Bible we keep the lies out we keep the lies out and the enemy out the very same one we welcomed in James 4, 7, 8 says, resist the devil and he won't walk away. It says he'll flee from you. Come close to God, he comes close to you. Once we throw him out, here's the next step. This is what deliverance looks like. We remove all dark people and things from our house. Now that I got him out, don't throw him out of the house in the hallway. Throw him out to the front yard or street where he can get run over. Then then get rid of all the dark things in our lives. So sometimes we have dark people that just we cannot be around right now who are gonna be a bad influence in our life. Now remember that person has the image of God and you love them, but right now you need boundaries and keep them away from you until you're strong enough to deal with this. But then there's the dark things. Not only dark people, but there's dark things. So that addiction Maybe I need to go through the cabinet in every hiding place and throw out every bottle in my house. Maybe I need to do something to that computer, put somebody else's eyes on it who, who loves me and can see what I'm doing. Whatever those things are in that room, it could be a dark book, it could be all these different things, throw them out. Because if they stay, you're welcoming them back. And the last thing, you know, accept Jesus, his power and authority, confess, renounce, remove all those dark things. The last thing, and this one's really kind of important, and that is begin healing to keep those doors closed. What commonly happens a lot of people in their lives, because you have the power and authority of Jesus in your life, you can kick him out pretty easy. It's easy, relatively easy, to get him out of the house. But if I do nothing to fix this space, he comes right back. And the best way I take care of the space is I heal. Healing is dealing with the trauma or whatever caused this room caused and fixing myself and fixing my relationships and growing strong so he can't come back. So healing's huge or else it leaves a wide open space. That's deliverance. Makes it more approachable, doesn't it? Makes it more understandable, and it's very biblical. It's not always some freaky thing. I mean, can some freaky happen? I suppose so. But it's daily stuff. So again, the word deliverance, you know, it might bring up the weird, it might bring up the uncomfortable. But we're hoping that this explanation made it clear it's daily and it's relatively simple. So let's take a look at our fourth sermon note together. The majority of our battle, the majority of spiritual warfare is actually in daily disciplined behavior. 
Your spiritual battle is not for some weird time or occasional attack. Our spiritual battle is every day, and it's actually 80 to 90%. That's kind of a subjective term. The far majority of our spiritual warfare is through simple daily discipline. One, read the word of God, because that is where truth is. The enemy only has one strategy against you and I that gets him in this room, and that's lies. So if I know truth, I know how to come back after him. So knowing God's word, knowing God's word is that first step. But the second thing is knowing his voice, prayer. That's why that first video you saw, here's two tools, all you need. God's word and prayer. And it's true. But prayer is knowing God's voice, talking to him through the day, bringing him into your conversation all day long, knowing his voice. Do you know how many people come up to me, especially newer Christians, which I understand who say, I don't know how to recognize God's voice. And then the first question is, how much do you pray? How much do you talk? And how much do you listen? But I will tell you, nobody, nobody in my almost seven years now of ministry here, nobody has come up to me and say, I don't recognize the voice of Satan. Because we all do. We can hear his voice. We can hear his lies. But if we're not in the Bible, we don't know how to fight that. Not only are we in God's word as a daily discipline, not only are we praying each day, but we are in community. Guys, we need each other. This is so many of us, because of pride, we fight this battle on our, on our own, and we lose all the time. We might gain for two, three days, and then we're right back. You don't know how many people here are love you, have the power of prayer around you, and are counselors, have been through what you've been through, that can come alongside and help you fight this battle. Community is what God's given us, the church, to wage war. They come help you invade this room. They help light spill in this room and they help you keep light in that room because the very same Holy Spirit is in all of you. Look at the power in this room. Spiritual warfare is real. So is temptation and so is deliverance from evil. Let's go back. We hit this verse every week, Ephesians 6. It's worth going over every week. We talk about it's real and here's the tools. Ephesians 6, starting verse 10. A final word. This is a good way to finish up today. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then after the battle, you'll still be standing firm. And then it goes into verse 14, stand your ground, putting on, and we've covered almost all of them except one we're holding for next week or two. We've talked about putting on the belt of truth, the sword of the spirit, the armor of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the, the uh, uh, shield of faith. We've talked about those over the last three or four weeks. Many people will read this and say there's six items. There's six items in the armor and the weapons of God to fight spiritual warfare. There's seven. Most people don't add verse 18 in. Let's put verse 18 up here. Pray in the spirit at all times. And on every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. He summarizes it with, 
you've got the greatest weapon, every one of us, and it's the power of prayer. The power of prayer. Your last sermon note. Our greatest weapon is prayer in the Spirit. You won't believe this is a spiritual war and prayer is the greatest weapon. So I want to go back and ask you the very first question I asked today. Do you want to see the enemy tremble? Do you want to see the enemy tremble? And it's something that we can't do, but it's something we can do because of who's in us. We see the enemy tremble when this church is on its knees in prayer. So let's not talk about it anymore. Let's do that today. We're gonna pray in the spirit for each other and together. Our first two words of our vision, be bold. I'm asking you right now to be bold. We all have this room. And I want us to be bold and let's come after this room today. As we close today, we are gonna take just the freedom of Christ and declare that as we go. And so let's close today in freedom.